Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. 10 hours and 10 years worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line on our wings and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia, as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast. Or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. 
They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Glad I can turn that down. Ready, <laughs> set, go. Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Who the fuck are you? All right, what are you dude. doing back in my studio? <laughs> yeah, how many more podcasts do you need to do to finally remember my name? Um, well, my name is Olga, and I'm one of those badass skydivers that you invite to a studio to yes. interview. Yes. So. Very cool. So uh, um, you're a badass skydiver. You jump out of airplanes. Yeah. And that's it? Well... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I do a lot of cool shit, I think, but skydiving is probably the main agenda in my life. That's the primary. Yeah. Okay. So um, how did you, let's recap for people that haven't heard you before. How did you get started (laughs) in jumping? I started jumping around parachutes uh, 14 years ago, just on a military base, just jumped once, didn't break my legs, was really amazed by that. I was like, fuck, I want to do it every day of my life. I want to become an instructor. Had no clue about skydiving as a sport or that it's like free fly or wingsuiting or canopy piloting or any of those. I just thought that is as good as it can get is jumping out of the Anton of two with a round parachute, <laughs> static line, and, right. you know, just fly with whatever direction this parachute flies you. <laughs> sure. Just land however you can land, like a bag of potato. Well, now, if memory serves, uh, you were not the only person surprised that you didn't break your legs. Yeah. Like, weren't there a lot of people that were surprised that you did? You had a rough start to the sport, didn't you? I did. I, I didn't. I don't think it's just a start, though. <laughs> I think it was quite a journey in my case. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> For sure. Well, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So after after I landed, I was like, man, I really want to do this. I want to do this for a living. I want to just get into the sport and jump again and again and again. And I started researching and I found the uh, drop zone. The nearest one was 500 kilometers away from where I used to live, which was Ukraine, Ukrainian drop zone and Baradanka. And uh, that was it for me. I was just driving every Friday. I would just pack my bags beforehand, finish job just get in the car and drive 500 kilometers to spend the whole weekend at the drop zone. And it didn't matter really, like, because we didn't have this fancy applications back then, back then with a weather forecast. Mm. So you just, you just go. Sure. If it's pouring rain, no, it doesn't matter. You just go there because if you're at the drop zone, you have a chance to skydive, you know? So sure. you would go there and I'd spend there Saturday, Sunday and Sunday evening, one beer, for the road and <laughs> jump in the car 500, <laughs> 500 kilometers back home, sleep a couple of hours and start the working week. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That was three years of my life like that. Oh, and you were a working professional at the time too, weren't you? Yeah, I was managing one of the biggest travel companies. So it was nothing skydiving or extreme sport related. Um, like good money, good job, high heels, red lipstick, pretty cool, fancy lifestyle, which I liked a lot, sure. uh, but obviously, like, uh, skydiving drove me in way more, sure. and at some point, I had to make a decision, and I think, like, the breaking point was when I had three cell phones next to me, and it was a New Year Eve, and all three were 
ringing and everyone was just cheering for the new year and I was like fuck <laughs> I just cannot do that anymore yeah. you know yeah and um yeah and the same same year I just went to Spain skydiving Puria Brava and um converted my tandem rating that I had from um Russian company into USPA came back and got the offer to go to Greece and work as a skydiving instructor, to, to work as a tandem instructor in Greece. Nice. And I was like, uh, I'm not sure because like I wasn't promised any good money there and uh, my lifestyle was pretty much what my mom wanted for me, you know, <laughs> like you right. have a university degree, you have a company that you manage, you have the money, you don't have a look at the prices in the shop when you go and you just buy shit. Sure. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, after this, like after the situation with the cell phones and like, it's just, I couldn't stop thinking about that offer. So in June I sold my share and I just quit my job and packed my bag and moved to Greece. <laughs> it was like, it was economical suicide. I have to say. Like, sure. Well, I mean, to, to decide to become a professional skydiver is to accept the fact that you're not going to make a fuckload of money. Well, you can't do it now. Now I know. Well, not fuckload of money, but it's survivable. Yeah, no, yeah. You, can, you can live a nice life now as a working skydiver, depending on where you are For and sure. how weather dependent you are. But you're never going to make business professional kind of money. No, for sure, no, <coughs> unless you bought a Bitcoin there. <laughs> you just yeah. skydive with a couple of Bitcoins. But uh, yeah, like uh, for me back then, it was I was living off my credit card that I still had and I didn't realize how fast, <laughs> how fast I spent all my money <laughs> because uh, there were not a lot of jumps and we would jump only the weekend. So it's like three days. Right. We'd drive, we would <laughs> live in uh, Kifisia next to Athens and then we would just go to the drop zone which is like one and a half hour drive and uh would do like five six jumps over the weekend so you make like 75 euro to 150 euro that you have to survive for a week right so and (laughs) that was a moment when i quit smoking like because i was smoking cigarettes back then and i just couldn't afford it the pack was like seven euro (laughs) just like (laughs) i just cannot afford it like literally the wine would be like one and a half euro for a liter (laughs) and a pack of cigarettes seven euro i'm like eh, i'll drink (laughs) yeah fair enough fair enough I mean, it's a it's a hell of a choice. What did your mom think about it? Oh, she like uh, in the beginning, she was like, "No, man." I mean, like imagine for the mom, she was so proud of me um, achieving this, having two universities degrees, you know, like having a company, being ahead of a very big travel company in sure. my country. So sure. for her, it was a pride that my you know my daughter achieved something uh, in this age, you know, and then. Uh, <laughs> and then seeing me taking this path, and skydiving wasn't as mainstream as it is right now. So, mm. like my my mom also probably thought that skydiving is that that what I did for the first jump, you know, jumping out of the plane with a round parachute. Sure. She's like, "Oh, you're gonna work with the military?" So I'm like, "No, mom." Like at the end of the day, I've been raised to make my own decisions and to be responsible for them myself. So, like, it didn't take her long to realize that if I made a decision, like I'm I'm gonna go with it. Sure. So she was like, okay, well, you know, like, you can always come back. <laughs> you always have a corner <laughs> here and you have a bad. <laughs> you always got a spot. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the nice thing about uh, family. You always got somewhere to go back to. Yeah. That's, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, you end up working in the sport and obviously end up doing pretty good in the sport. How did you start to slide towards wanting to compete? Um, funny enough that um, competitive, well, I'm, I am competitive by nature. You? <laughs> Yeah, no. no way, right? No. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> you wouldn't say so, no. right? Uh, but like canopy piloting, it was the first jump that I was doing as an IFF student. I was like, you know, big this rig that it hangs below my knees and the helmet with a big radio and antenna like sticking out like a unicorn, you know, like looking very professional walking mm. to the airplane for my first ever AFF jump. And um, the guy, Seva Bedrin uh, from, from Ukraine as well, he was just swooping with his velocity in front of me, just like psh, so fast. Um, and I was looking at it, I'm like, I want to do that. What it is? What, what is that? I want to do that. And my instructor at the time, he was like, well, yeah, okay, let's let get you through the course first. Okay, just walk in the plane. <laughs> just let jump out. Just let, let's land. Yeah, uh, but I, I knew that that's what I want to do. Like no other sport attracted me since then as much as canopy piloting. Mm. And that was always my goal from the f- first time that I've seen that. But it just took me a little bit longer than other people do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you had a few issues canopy-wise over the years, yeah? <laughs> well, I'm being clumsy as well a little bit, like <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more than average human being. <laughs> I've, I've been witness to quite a few of those and a lot of them not skydiving related. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't need much, you know, like, I just need a flat space and a little, like, I don't know, anything sticking out of the ground. I still have myself. W- one of my favorite pictures of you, <laughs> one of my absolute favorite pictures of you is the day you arrived at Bali for the first time. <laughs> oh my gosh, and it's you, hilarious. I believe you're in the hospital having just gotten a wound with a massive scar above your eyebrow cleaned out because you were in the surf for, like, two minutes and <laughs> took a surfboard to the face. It was just hilarious. I came to the Bali. Remember, it was like 15 of us and we yes. came there like big group. I was so excited. I brought my surfboard. I was like, oh yeah, we got to surf. It was less than 24 hours. I got in the water yeah. in in the spot that I wasn't ready for. It was like uh, Gio and Mars uh, were surfing there, but they, they, they surf way better than me. And uh I just had a collision like within like two minutes. I just, oh, that's my wave. <laughs> that's it. The next thing I'm kind of crawling down to the beach and I see like the blood is dripping on my board and I'm afraid to look at the mirror. Because... Yeah. Yep. A lot of us ended up bloody surfing in, in uh, uh, Bali though. I mean, cause I did, mm. I ended up getting stitches. Nitka ended up taking a fin to the calf. He had to have oh, stitches. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, although... Ours were a little bit more dramatic than yours. You like literally didn't catch a wave. You just took a board I, to the face. Well, I kind of did. Like I was there. I was pedaling, pedaling, and then I saw another surfer pedaling in. Right. And like I, I had a priority, right? Sure. So I'm like, ah, oh, but I freaked out. I just like that's what. I, after that, actually, it was a good lesson for me. If you commit to something, just go full power. Don't back off. Sure. Because it's like a fire jump that I had. You know, like if you would commit to something, you just have to go. If you have a second thought you're probably going to fuck yourself up so sure well but i was still talking about the stuff that happens outside of skydiving like you just got back recently from a trip to thailand where because you got very much into muay thai and we'll talk some about that Uh, but the injury that you sustained was not to do with muay thai because i saw you hanging out like a week after you got back and noticed a dent in your head uh what did i Oh my gosh. <laughs> I shouldn't ever send you any photos, eh? Like, yeah. I just, <laughs> it, was a, it was the first week, man. It was the first week we went for a Mojai trip. And 
man, their training was intense. Like it's like I trained five hours a day. Yeah, like at least I know. Uh, and uh, it was badass. Yeah, I was like it was proper badass. I think I was the fittest I've ever been. Like, and then I just walk into the glass door. <laughs> have a massive cut on my nose and have a dump on my forehead and it was staying there for like weeks yeah. it was so big and yeah oh i know because i noticed it yeah and the yeah. next day i came to a training and my coach is like oh just say that you got an elbow like i just i just <laughs> you know? love the fact that you go all the way to thailand you spend a month in thailand training five yeah. hours a day fighting people five fucking hours a day and kicking shit but you end up getting floored by a glass door yeah, I'm not surprised anymore. Like, that's just, you know, like, that's just a regular old life. It's yeah, just, yeah. But, I mean, if you listed all of those things, you would not immediately, if you didn't know you, you wouldn't read all those things and go, oh, I bet that person's a competitive athlete. <laughs> uh, well, that was a journey That, that as person well. <laughs> rode the short bus to school I mean, is what you'd think. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you think about that, even in the competition, but it just, uh, I think it trains you to become a stronger mentally person. Like, let's put it this way. It's got to be a silver lining everywhere because... Because, like, otherwise, remember this competition when I was going to the airplane on the crutches, jumping off the plane, oh, and I people remember. would just bring the crutches on the landing area? If I wouldn't get injured so many times before, I don't think I'll do that. I'd be like, oh, my God, I have a bruise. i got to sit it down. But I, I don't know. Like, it's just part when of my you, life. When do you not have a bruise? I don't know. I, yeah, I, can't, I can't really tell you. Like, no, it, I mean, if I didn't know you as well as I do, most of the times that I see you, I would think you're a victim of, of spouse abuse or something <laughs> well, yeah man because you're uh, just bruised all the time yeah i know but I, i'm a worse enemy to myself so yeah yeah it's okay i'm a hazard to myself so, so let's put it a, that way that's all right well and, and i'm always so gentle with the way i uh, um caution you about things oh I for know. sure especially when you're just like visiting me in the hospital another day well, all right so i okay. take i take offense <laughs> to that one though because you had <laughs> frapped yourself in you broke a rib punctured a fucking lung um, hooking yourself in and we come to visit you in the hospital and you're laying in the hospital bed with a chest tube coming out of you on your phone designing the colors on your new downsized canopy. In my defense, that was <laughs> one of very not many uh, injuries that were related to skydiving. Okay, yeah. so to me it was just like, okay, that's just the lung. The lung has just collapsed. <laughs> so we got to fix that. By the time it's fixed, my canopy is going to be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the injuries that you've had uh, skydiving related, sure they happen, especially when you're pushing the limits as, as much as you do in regard to that. But you've, I mean, and like any skydiver, you've had just the bizarre injuries that a twisted ankle or, or that because you hit a pothole on the landing yeah, area. Sure. That shit happens. But where you push it is trying to get back in much quicker than a lot of people do. Your latest ankle thing was uh, a great um example of that in that you just didn't let it heal before you started jumping again. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it was yeah. not like, so Matt Mounting, he had the same injury like me. And right. so he took his medal out and I was chatting with him like right. a few months before I took my medal out. Right. And I'm like, Matt, you took the medal out. How long did you let it heal? You know, because doctor said three weeks, but I'm, I'm thinking about two weeks, you know, like I'm being smart now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Matt is like, nah, really after 10 days, I was skiing. And I'm like, fuck, skiing is brutal, you know, like skydiving compared to skiing, it's like pff, easy. But then what he didn't tell me, what Nick told me after, that he 
also had an infection in his wound uh-huh. after he be- because it's just not skin. Yeah, the the bone could handle it, but the whole thing. So yeah, I wasn't really smart about it. I started running on the second day. I went to Muay Thai after a week, <laughs> and uh, I think like what caused the inflammation and the infection is me just like kicking the sweat, shit, sweat, sweat, sweat outside, like sweat, and you know, like being outside and mm-hmm. the dirt and the dust and taking that, all of that uh, and uh, not taking doctor's advice. <laughs> taking a limb that's just had surgery, swinging it vigorously and slamming it into solid objects. I, I was taking it easy. I was taking yeah. it easy in my, yeah, in, in my defense. That's you taking it easy. <laughs> yeah, we had the whole podcast about my injuries. Stop it. I know. Well, no, we're just touching base on all this stuff. It's funny that it's it, just we, the base. <laughs> we, were, we were talking off the podcast about how long it took you to get used to my sense of humor in regard to you. Oh boy! Because I give you so much shit for Do it. Do you think I, I got used to? Yeah, <laughs> I just, finally, I just no, don't give a fuck anymore. Because it used to make you so mad, but only you would would be running around with a six pack and get upset because I called you fat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we we all have our insecurities, okay? Maybe I just had pizza the other day and it shows up, you know? I don't know. For fuck's sake. (laughs) I'm just a girl, you know? I just want guys to call me pretty. I don't want to be called fat. Yeah, well, no, you're you're very pretty for a girl your size. (laughs) See, that shit's funny. Come on. (laughs) Here we go. So you got into all this different stuff, but you got into Muay Thai recently and you went full bore in it. So tell me what got that started. So, um, well, it was a recent situation of uh, myself having a Belarusian passport and all the uh, athletes with Russian passport, all the holders of those passports. Uh We were banned from all the international world competitions. So I realized that I'm not going to the world games. And the world games was always to me like a pinnacle. Like, I think it's a pinnacle to everyone. It's like uh, Olympic games, you know, to go to the event like this, that what every athlete should at least should aim for. Sure. That's, That's the highest that you can go and the best competition you can get. But, well, obviously I got very depressed, you know, like Mm. uh, over that and my mom died. So I did not know what to do with myself. Like I was like just like in a very dark place. But, you know, like how you see the situation is always a choice. And it's really, really easy not to be positive about, you know, like every bad shit that happens to you. So I decided, okay, like if I cannot do that or I have to do something with myself I have to find something else Mm. and um, the place that I run like I run every morning um, in this area they open a new gym and I just was like running every day and looking at the gym that had been open and I'm like okay I'm just gonna go and check it out because I've never wanted to do martial arts I've never even like considered to do martial arts because uh, once I've tried boxing and it was like you know, like little gloves and just like, you know, very high intensity music. And we were dancing there pretty much like sure. and sometimes punching the bag. And I'm like, fuck, that's not for me. Like, right. And uh, I was hooked from the first time. It was just such a relief mentally. I think like due to going through the process of accepting my mom's death and then also finding something to look for when you cannot do what you love the most. Sure. I, I didn't have any perspective of competing in skydiving. So I was like, okay, well, there is a perspective for me of competing in, in this discipline, in Muay Thai. I can get better and I can fight, you mm. know? And I'm a person, I cannot go without a goal. I need a goal in my life. I can I cannot just go and fun jump or I just fly in a tunnel or 
I don't know, just run without having a bigger goal. Like if I run, I know that I have a race. Yeah. Sure. If I if I swoop every day, it's yeah. I love I love swooping a lot, but without a goal, it's very hard to stay motivated. And I lost this motivation with swooping, and I just got this motivation with fighting, I guess. Mm. And that's why I was pushing hard. Like, and with everything I do, I just go full power, and I just like triple on my training. I was doing like nine hours of Muay Thai a week, plus the running, plus the strength. You know, just like boom, 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 boom. Then Thailand, you know, like so. Yeah, let's see. I'm having the, my first fight next month. And hope I still have my teeth after that. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, this is something you definitely want to continue, like, and continue to compete. Um, yeah, I think it's going to stay because um, after skydiving, nothing actually grabbed my attention. No other sport, mm. I'd say, would grab my attention uh, as much as uh, Muay Thai did. Nice. Like... I didn't fight, like, I would try everything. I'll try this and that and that. And I like it, you know, but it wouldn't stick, you know? Like, you just go like, yeah, it's cool. I tried it. Move mm. on, you know? Like, I still have skydiving. But uh, after skydiving, Muay Thai would be the second favorite thing. So, like, yeah, I'm definitely planning on getting better and just, like, I just want to do my first fight. I don't even know if I like it. Maybe, like, I'll be on the rink and the girl punch me in the face and I'll be like, what the fuck, bitch? What about the girl power? You know, like, I don't know. Or, like, Olga, play that, play that, you know? I don't know. it would be kind of funny. You get punched once and you go, oh, what? what? Wait. <laughs> Shit. Is that what we do? <laughs> oh yeah, this isn't quite as much fun. Yeah. Well, it's just cool to see you do something that you're that you're sticking with because I know that you tend to always be looking for something more. Yeah. Hey, what's over here? What's over there? I mean, I've still got a helmet that's sanded oh, down shit. for what a year and a half now, and it's still in the cars. I didn't drop the idea of airbrushing. <laughs> I still love it. It's just hard to find time because I only have twenty four hours, you know, and I use those like seven hours to sleep, so it's really difficult. But you, you'll get it. You'll get it. At like some for, point. for those who doesn't know, it's um, uh, I started airbrushing after I broke my ankle. It was uh, a year and a half ago now, and um, obviously for last Dean's birthday, I needed to get a present. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be so you know, like uh, I'm just gonna get him the best present ever. I gave him a certificate of me airbrushing his helmet, and I have the idea. I I have a sketch. I just don't have the time to do that. But I'm I have limited time now, right? So yeah. I, I need to. Yeah, then you have the helmet all together. all sanded and down, and, and yeah, I started it. Yeah, I started it. It's just like I start a lot of things in my life. Right? It doesn't mean I finish them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, but so the the Muay Thai and all that stuff kind of got you over the hump and through a tough time, yeah. and especially because you weren't able to travel, so you were stuck in the Middle East and and weren't able to really do anything yeah. until recently. You actually, through the help of one of our good friends, got to get out and travel because nobody in the world wants you guys right now. Yeah, <laughs> right? So yeah, that was a heartbreaking situation in the way, but then also the proof of how amazing our skydiving community is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like that that's a thing, you know, like that's what drives us in and we stay, <laughs> we, we stick together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like uh, I wanted to attend, I knew that the worlds are not on the cards anymore, so, but I thought I'll be able to do at least three competitions this year. So mm. I was planning to do, to compete in Italy in Skydive Ravenna. Um, skydive pullout, <laughs> you like that one. <laughs> and then I wanted to do Danish uh, nationals uh, in Denmark. And then I wanted to do uh, Pink Open. This competition I wouldn't miss 
ever. Like that's the best swoop competition that you can get. So anyone out there who is planning to do their competition, like pink is the one. This this is a place. It's like unofficial world meet because mm. everyone is there. We had 72 competitors this year. Mm. It's it's a lot of people. Sure. Uh, so I was applying for Italian visa and uh, the visa was denied with no explanation. Uh, uh, and <laughs> I'm like, well, shit, I had like five visas to Italy before. Like, what the fuck? Uh, and I gave up on idea. I was like, okay, never mind. I'm not traveling to Europe. So I applied for Thai visa to go and trade Muay Thai uh, because with my passport, I even need to apply in the embassy for the Thai visa. I cannot just show up there and get a visa on arrival. I, I have the same process <laughs> proof. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, but then our common friend, Nitka, I can love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He is, <laughs> if you're, if you're looking for a great podcast to listen to, go back and find, uh, Gora's Nitka, yeah. uh, um, did one, uh, Jesus a year and a half ago, but yeah, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing guy. And uh, he saw me posting something about not getting visa. And he actually sent me a message. He is like, hey, no, 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 no. Like, I, I can try to get you a Slovenian visa because he manages now Skara uh, Bovek. Mm. And uh, obviously, like, I thought if I'll get the visa, I will stop in Bovik anyway because I absolutely love the place. I think it's one of the most beautiful places to skydive. And mm. ju- just not to skydive as well, to hike, to do rafting, whatever, any, like, active sports sure. it's a really beautiful place to be uh and uh i'm like well okay let's try and i didn't have any expectations because i, I was sure that i'm not going to get it but he pulled some strings well he did pretty much impossible like <laughs> it was really difficult they were just he spent a lot of time and energy on it and i got the visa nice. and i was like okay so like now i have the visa and you know like how it is when you already have another plan but now you like back to the plan that you have before the other plan <laughs> and you're <laughs> like oh shit now now <laughs> remotivate myself once again uh yeah so i managed to go to bovik and um to uh, Czech Republic for a pink open. Which is hilarious because uh, just before then you'd been saying, no, I'm I'm just going to try and go travel. And even when he pulled the strings, you're like, I'm going to go and just watch. I'm not going to compete because I'm not current and I haven't but- been training. And then the next message I get is, yeah, I'm totally fucking competing. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just like also, <clears throat> you know, you it, uh, it's – I'm ashamed to say, but uh, in Thailand, I even thought that I don't want to swoop anymore. Like, because I've lost the motivation, I've lost the goal, I've lost like this kind of drive of doing it. You know, like when you have a goal and you're like, oh, I want to be better, I want to go to the world, so I want to go and do this competition and this competition. And then, like, all the competition that I want to do, they, like, you just cannot do for some fucking stupid reason because mm. you have a passport that is not welcome there. So sure. I was like really upset about that. And I was like, okay, maybe I should just focus on other things, you know, rather than just get get upset about me not being able to swoop. But I'm super happy. Um, I'm really happy that I went there because like I was debating. I was one of the reasons I didn't want to go because I didn't train and I didn't want to just go there and perform mediocre, you know, mm. like just to be somewhere in the middle, which I ended up anyways. Like, but it was it was predictable. Like I knew that I'm going to be there. Mm. Um, but I was like, no, but I, I want to be like in the top 20, you know, sure. like 15, you know, some somewhere there, like not top 45 or top 35, whatever. Uh, but the moment I arrived to a drop zone, seeing all my friends, you know, seeing swoopers that we became friends, we mm. like, 
we're close. We love to see each other. We love to hang out together, jumping together. It's just like, it took me one jump to like, fuck it. <laughs> you know, like there's no doubts. And uh, I have to just remember that next year if I'll have the same doubts. And But I think like this com- this competition, Pink Open in Klatovi, this is this worse, even if it's going to be one competition a year to train for and to try your best to go for, mm. that's a competition you should. Well, now, how did you for. feel getting into the competition knowing that you hadn't been training? Were you nervous or did you get back into the swing of things pretty? I mean, you didn't perform the way you wanted to, but how did you feel? I felt very... Like, no, I, I did not feel nervous at all because it was the first time that I didn't have have any expectations mm. and I didn't have any pressure, you know, on myself. I knew I'm not going to show the best result. I'm not going to perform as good as I can. So I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just go with the floor, you know, sure. like I'll just gonna get in there and just try to enjoy. Um and even like normally I get devastated if I get the zero. Um, I get, I'm getting like, fuck, it just takes me time to get over it. You mm. know, like this time I got a zero in uh, distance, subverted exit gate. And I was like, yeah, zero. Okay. Well, I mean, like it wasn't okay. I was upset for half an hour, but not like <laughs> half a day, you yeah. know, like I was upset a little bit. Sure. Um, also, it was really cool because they now uh, this year they did a freestyle competition as well after the comp. Uh, we had the famous uh, pink uh, curve distance round, which is like really cool. It's uh, a round. It's like it's you can do this or not do this. It's voluntary. Like after the competition, mm. it's an extra round, <clears throat> which you do the speed course pretty much. But the exit gate is very narrow. It's like um, well, your size, you'd probably go sideways, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> fly through there. Uh, it's really narrow, and then you just have to fly as far as you can. Mm. Like, it's a pretty cool one. And after this <clears> one, <throat> we had three rounds of freestyle. So I wasn't expecting to do freestyle, I, so I didn't even bring my freestyle canopy. And um, <coughs> because I had no pressure on myself, I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll just fly my Petra. And I've never, like, I know people doing freestyle on Petra, but I've never done any freestyle moves on my Petra. Mm. So I wasn't sure. And until the, my feet will touch the water, I did not know if I'm going to bail or not. I was just motivating myself this way. I'm like, okay, you just go. You just touch the water, see how you feel, send it, or the worst case scenario, you bail, you know? Sure. like. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I ended up, I ended up swimming on the last round. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was. It was well, a those lot are fun. the crowd favorites. Anyway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's but, what pe- people. That's like going to a race car uh, track. You don't go to watch the cars go in a circle. You want to see them hit the wall. For sure. <laughs> but I also prepared well. I had my bikini on, so the moment I got out of the water, I just took my swip, uh, swim pants. I took everything off. So <laughs> started drying my parachute like bikini on. Guys brought me a beer, so <laughs> of course, <laughs> perfect. And why not? <laughs> well, and so you were all your visa t- and timing with that worked out really well too, because you were able to be in the region for a tribute, which was really yes, special. Yes, it was. It was mm. really amazing. In Bovik, actually, a lot of us came there. It was like twenty-two of us mm. there at the time. So on the um, uh, on the fourth of August, we went for the hike mm. uh, to Monte Shiman. Uh It's the mountain where Matt Mountain. Mm. Uh, died and we went there to put a plate with his name there and just to do the hike that he did yeah mm. uh, petro was there his wife and lots of friends you know like nick dana sarah like a lot mass sure 
So we, it was an amazing hike, man. I have to say, like it's so beautiful. Um, it was really technical as well. Some of the girls never done anything like that. Like Dana and Sarah, like they've never done anything like that. So it was, um, it was pretty cool to see that the whole crew, all 22 people, were going and supporting each other until we got to the to the top. Nice. Which is 2,500 meters. Nice. Yeah, but we started high, so I think the elevation that we did was about like 1,100 or something like that. It's still a hell of a yeah, hike. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot. It's uh, It took us like up and down. It took us all about six hours. Yeah, so we went there. We put the plate with his name, and it was just one of the moments we were sitting talking about Matt and telling stories about him, and it was just like a huge eagle just flying above us. Hmm. And at this moment, everyone went silent, you know? It was like a sign that he's there with us, you hmm. know, like looking at all of his friends and just flying there. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, one, one of the one beautiful of the, moments. One of the cool things that I've seen, especially with all the stuff online that's been posted about Matt, is how it's all super happy stuff. Yeah. There's just, there's no bummer remembrances it's all oh my god this was amazing that was amazing everybody's starting out with broy this and yeah. all these fucking great stories that are just fantastic so to be able to go there specifically with that crew and especially with petra's wife yeah. uh, to be able to do that's just awesome yeah that I was mean, very special that was a very special moment i think like every each and every of us felt that is just uh sharing this hike all together mm. with people who knew him, who appreciated him, you know, sure. with people who loved him. Sure. And uh, and then this eagle, and then we had a few beers, you know, and put the plate, and it was just like, it was un unity, like, in the best, like, in the best uh, scenario that you can imagine. It was just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. a hell of a send-off. Yeah. It was, yeah. Super cool. Well, so what's next? I mean, uh, <laughs> you're going to get the shit kicked out of you here next week. <laughs> uh, next month, okay. Give yeah. me some time. I'm not oh, next ready. month. Yeah. Next month, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, what next? Um, I don't know. I have some projects here, yeah, like um, my helmet. Your helmet for sure, and the cars. <laughs> well, now um, my friend Alberto is pushing me quite a lot, um, and my friend Cornelia, of course, she also pushes me quite a lot. <laughs> but it's normal <laughs> uh, to start flying head uh, head down. Nice. Like I'm, I'm pretty. Like, I'm okay with flying head down in a tunnel, but I've never been a fan of free fly. And, you know, like, people like, hey, you should do this, you should do this. And you're like, well, don't tell me what I should do. I know what I should do. Like, <laughs> if I don't do that, that's for a reason because I have another shit to do. You're okay? like a kid who ought just, you should do that. Don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> But I mean, like, hey, I've been here for a while. I know what I like and what I do not like in the sport, right? But anyway, now it's just like, especially when people, uh, our friends, uh, quite a lot of people from the place where I work uh, went to this uh, 200 way mm. uh, that unfortunately they didn't build it, but uh, it was a lot of a lot of effort and commitment that I've seen from the from my friends. Sure. Putting all this money into the tunnel and, you know, like all the jumps that they did, all the weekends that they spent just jumping, you know. Oh, yeah. All the trials that they went. It was admiring. Like, I admire that. It's like, it reminds me of me starting swooping and trying to get on every single day off and just swoop, 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 you know. Sure. Um, no compromises between swooping and personal life. It was just like... Yeah, I'm going swooping, you know, right, like whatever. Right. And same with same with them, and it was like really cool to see so many people like dedicated so much time and effort and money. Um, and uh, 
now obviously their record is moved to three years from mm. now 2025 and i'm not saying i want to go there i that's not my goal <laughs> but my goal is just to be able to get out like on any stuff load that we have or any fun jumps that they have and they go and do free fly or head down that mm. i just want to be able to jump on any but jump possible and be able to do what they do that's sure. like that's my goal but obviously uh, there are some plans about building a uh, female record, not a female record, but the uh, female formations um, with some with with my friends and mm. and be cool as well to fly with them. So yeah, it, that that's like uh, skydiving wise. This obviously swooping uh, next year. <laughs> next year there is a big possibility that I'm gonna do a base course. Uh, oh, for I, I did not want to bring it up because I know you telling me for the past seven years that you don't want to do that. But I have a very special person lost, that actually kind of was supporting me in this. You lost a fight with a glass door. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so how big are the chances for me to hit the wall in, I don't know, in Brenta? <laughs> Fucking with your, with your luck, 50-50. I know, but... For fuck's sake, you walked through a glass door and a surfboard put you in the hospital the first day you were in Bali and you want to go jump off mountains. Uh, no, I'm like, I, I'm taking it very easy. I'm taking it very easy. I contact the, the best coach out there, record, uh, according to my friends, David Lafog, and he kind of, like, I think he takes it very... Very calm and conservative, and that's exactly what I need when it comes to base jumping. And we, it's going to be like, if it's going to happen, it's going to be a course in Croatia of, of the bridge and then uh, Brento. So it's going to be very easy. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you updated about that, Dean. I'll... <sighs> Fuck. Jesus Christ, just what I need. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, that, <laughs> so base jumping, head down, swooping for sure. I got my uh, Kraken, so obviously I want to send some wingsuit in. See, uh -huh. like, I'm fucking busy. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, don't know, like, well, I don't know how to find time for all of that now. <laughs> and, and you just started uh, uh, deciding to part-time train for stunts. It's uh, it's really cool. Like, it, it was just happening beforehand. It's not a new thing in my life. Uh, I think we've been, like, talking about that a little bit a few years back. Uh, I did one stunt, I think, was it three years ago? Was it three or it was before COVID, so it was like must be three years. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably three years ago, and it was really funny because the stunt was uh, it was few jumps. Uh, one jump was me and another guy like having a fight in the sky, and oh my gosh, being an experienced skydiver, you think you can do anything in the sky, but when you have to actually throw your hands and legs and fight another person, we were so unstable. We were just all over the place. I was like freaking out at some point. I'm like, I don't even know how to gain stability now anymore. <laughs> like sitting on top of him, throwing my wrist and it doesn't go where I wanted to go, you know, it was fun. And then I had to do a tandem jump and basically I was just like, facing in uh, how do you call it face-to-face -face tandem yeah. yeah but like i've done face-to-face -face when i was tandem instructor i've never been a customer like a passenger yeah and uh, i was kind of scared because i i mean <laughs> that's not you don't have any control and any experienced skydiver will tell you like doing tandem as a passenger that's not sucks it sucks yeah. <laughs> it sucks in so many ways especially when you're facing the person you don't even know what's going on like that's so fucked up but after that, I had um, uh, I gained friendship with a, a stunt coordinator, and uh, we've been in contact. And he always wanted me to 
kind of come and do some stunts. I've never had time for that. Mm. And now, like, he uh, finally invited me for uh, stunt training. And I went there, and obviously... I'm I'm fit enough and I can do cool shit. <laughs> so I just need to not to fight but pretend to fight. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll see where it goes. It's one of the but I just I don't know if I'll just be able to fit it in all all the all, all the adventures and all the stuff that I have on my list. But yeah, one of those. So so not not that much, right? Like what is it? Head down, <laughs> base, wingsuit. Canopy piloting, Muay Thai, airbrushing, stunt. That's it. And running. Oh, yeah, and running because I'm doing ultra ultra marathon in October, 63 kilometers. But I'm not just doing that because in Cappadocia, in Turkey, they have... Uh, it's a beautiful place. If, no, if someone doesn't know about this place, it's a beautiful place where they have a lot of balloons taking off every sunrise. And it's just like you look and it's just like hundreds of uh, hot air balloons over there. So I'm planning to do a jump there as well, probably after ultramarathon, in case if I break my leg or something. <laughs> just that's uh, that's on the agenda as well. So that's kind of well. You definitely have to try and plan those things for worst case scenario. Okay, I'm gonna do this one first. So if I fuck this one up, it doesn't ruin anything else. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, that's a management of you know, like yeah, yeah. knowing knowing myself, knowing my clumsiness. Clumsiness? Do you have yeah. this word in English? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that was like when I did the trek to uh, Everest for like the month before I left for the trek, I stopped jumping. I was like, I wouldn't, I'm like, no, because I know what happens. I'm going to come in and fucking do some shitty ass landing and twist an ankle right before I go on this epic fucking trek. And so I stopped doing all of that shit. So it's important. That is interesting. Like I've noticed many skydivers before they take holidays. Like, you can watch them, like, on the landing. Normally, like, you'd go and do some freestyle move on the landing if you're doing a camera jump, mm. right? Or just a fun jump. And then you see them just landing very conservative, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And like, oh, but I'm, I'm leaving the, my holidays in two days. I don't want to fuck myself up. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's because we right. know, man, Murphy's Law. It's <laughs> it's a guarantee. When are you going to fuck yourself up? Right when it's going to affect you the worst. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, no, I can understand. Well, yeah, sounds like you're. Uh, I'm lucky I even get you in to sit in front of the microphone at all with as busy as you are. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I make time for my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the end of the season, uh, like a summer, so I just. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too, right? Is you're getting ready to go back to full time, crazy busy work. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy about that because my bank account is screaming to go back to work. It's sure. just like, sure. <laughs> like, hey, Holga, just work as much as you can. Uh, also, you know, like the parachutes nowadays are very expensive and they don't last long anyways. Sure. With the amount I jump. So, yeah. No, yeah, it's going to be crazy busy, which uh, which is okay. It's something something to get used to it a few days and then, like, the paycheck is great. And I love my job. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm jumping out of the plane, you know, yeah. like, tell me what I cannot do, you know. I'm, yeah. ju- I'm, I'm making money jumping out of the plane. Um, so that's that's a pretty cool job. I can't complain about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you'll be back to – I mean, once you get back into that schedule for you guys, it's you just get back into the groove. It's very easy when we go into our slow season because our slow season is quite slow mm. and it's very short days and, and uh, not as many days of the week. So it's easy to get into that mode and getting back into the busy, busy stuff is tough. Yeah. It can be hard to shift back into that, which is why I'm not going to do it. 
<laughs> excited. Tell tell a bit more about your adventure. Though. Oh, I'm fucking retiring. That's <laughs> it, man. There's nothing to tell. <laughs> That's it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about the shit I used to do. So you're not going to be a fucking pilot. You're going to be just a fucking asshole <laughs> well fucking that's 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 not gonna change fucking princess <laughs> that's not gonna change yeah. i mean i was an asshole before i was a pilot <laughs> okay true true that's there's nothing different there but do you think you're not gonna miss flying well i'm not gonna never fly a plane again yeah. i'm just not gonna do it full-time anymore okay. i can still take contract work and stuff i just uh, i mean I just rolled through 14,000 hours. That's enough. That's a lot of hours. I did the math between the flying and the jumping. I've spent like two and a half years in the air. Wow. I'm good. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm... That's insane though because I remember you just did your 10 hours. When was it? Like not that long ago. My what? 10,000 hours? Yeah. That was 10,000 otter hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's just in that plane. Uh, <gasps> so I've got 10,000 otter hours, but I just rolled through 14,000 total. And okay. I've got now I've got probably just shy of eleven thousand hours in the otter. Wow, that's enough. That's a lot. I'll of let hours. somebody else fly for a while. Yeah, when I was doing the math the other day and uh, I was calculating how many months of my life I'm spending in the in the plane. Yeah, and I don't remember by by now by heart. I, I'll post it on Instagram, guys. Uh, at sky <laughs> underscore unka. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was insane amount of uh, not days. Month. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I said two and a half years for me because it's not just the amount of time that I've flown, but it's all the time I spent sitting in the plane and then all my time in free falling under canopy. Yeah. It's two and a half fucking years. Imagine of your life. uh, And that's, that's, and for every skydiver out there, like, we probably spent an average, like, what, 12, okay, let's take 12 minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not taking the peop- unlucky people that I've been also flying, <laughs> jumping off Cessna 182. That sure. takes like half an hour to get up. And then you can add another extra year sure. <laughs> to all this Well, yeah, month. I mean, I had like a thousand, no more than a thousand, probably 1,500 Cessna jumps yeah. at least. So, yeah, and that's dramatically longer, especially if you're going above 10,000 feet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, as far as time-wise, flying-wise, and jumping-wise, I'm still probably somewhere in the middle of the, like, high-end guys, but that's a lot of time. That's a lot so, of time, yeah, yeah, I'll be okay on the ground for a while. <laughs> and it just opens up the opportunity to do more things as well as be able to talk to more people like you because yeah. right now I have to split it between actually doing the job instead of just talking about it. So now I'm just going to talk about it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So, you know, like when I was on the ground with uh, – like any injuries that I get, like injuries are different. But like with, for instance, being on, uh, being grounded during Muay Thai, for instance, mm. and I felt like, oh, fuck, I don't even miss skydiving. Because mm. when you're busy with something, you know, like you don't miss other stuff in sure. your life. You can focus on something that really drives your attention and like sure. that you really like. And during this uh, months of Thailand, I wasn't missing skydive at all sure. until I jumped. Yeah, of course. You know, like, and then you're like, fuck, that's why I love it. That's why I'm doing it. That's like, that. that's my world. That's where I belong. Sure. It's funny enough that, like, a month I did not, but then I, I start, like, having this, like, oh, maybe a little bit. Maybe I miss it a little bit. Sure. I think that was going to happen to you. It'd be like, well, hearing the plane in the sky, like, hmm. Well, I'll always be a fun jumper. 
you know, um, just a lazy, you know, oh, fucking... Oh, can you invite me on your first fucking fun job? Because yeah. it's been a while now. Been a little over a year because of all the surgeries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which is not that long, really. I mean, it's... Uh, a lot of people had to take that much time off just because of COVID, mm. you know, so... No, true. Yeah. True, there are so many people that couldn't, couldn't skydive. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I gotta buy a bigger parachute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more fucking two-digit parachutes have, for me. I have Kraken 120. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll find something. So I'll get uh, NZ Aerosports to build me a nice soft opening. Good one. Good one. Special special edition for That's Dean. It. Right? The, the, <laughs> they'll, they'll just call it the princess. Oh wow! That actually, yeah, that would there be you a go. Good there name. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So give them all the social media. How do they find you? How do people uh, follow you? Find out what you're doing with uh, getting your ass kicked by Muay Thai people <laughs> and glass doors and jumping out of airplanes and swooping and all that. Uh, well, yeah, mostly I'm on uh, Instagram. It's at uh, sky underscore umka. Uh, but sometimes I can be on Facebook, Olga Nomova, but mostly I use Instagram accounts, so that's probably the easiest way to reach me. Cool. Yeah. So back at it. Enjoy the season. Woo. Kick ass. And uh, we'll catch up with you and find out how all the head down stuff is coming for, <laughs> for 2025. So and we'll... stay tuned for the next podcast. <laughs> for the next one. It's either going to be the next record or the next broken bone. Oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe it would be neither, you know. Maybe you're it would just be like about a good, this, good days. You're talking about a base course. We're going to talk about something broken at some point. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll do. Maybe not me, though. <laughs> love you. Bye. Love you, too. Bye. Ciao. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you, as always, by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or princesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.